Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we conclude our sermon series entitled Wound Management. What is one thing a church and a hospital have in common? Both are in the business of wound management. Join us now for the message, The Wounds of the Healer. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. I'm Jane Grainer and I'm the senior pastor. And I'm coming to you from my childhood bedroom in my parents' home in Stafford, Virginia. I'm Wesley McCall. I'm the music director. And we're just uh, so happy that all of you are worshiping with us this morning, particularly if it might be the first time you have worshiped with us. Do you ever feel as if your life is going into a vicious circle? Well, how would you like to go about it in a gracious circle? So go ahead and stay tuned later for our message later today, The Wounds of the Healer. If you have not already done so sometime this week, I invite you to make an offering to the ministry of this church so we can keep these live casts going. You can do that on our website, tumcd.org. You can do that by simply mailing a check to the church office or through our church center app. And now let us enter into a spirit of worship and prayer with this centering psalm. From Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my afflictions and my troubles and forgive all my sins. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. And now for our opening prayer. Our gracious and ever-loving God, we come in the knowledge of the wonderful works you have done for us and of the deep and abiding love you have for us and for all God's people. Search our hearts, fill our souls with your indwelling spirit who whispers to our soul that all will be well if we but trust in you. Shine your light before us that we may see our path to you and to your kingdom on earth. Amen. And even though we cannot be together in the same space, we are together in the same time. So my prayer for you is peace be with you. Our prayer for illumination. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, May your word be shown. Amen. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves are being tortured. And our next reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's home and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. 
She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Then turning toward the woman, Jesus said, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. The woman had been following Jesus for days now, and she usually stood at the back of the crowd. That way she could avoid the judgmental gaze of others. Yet she felt compelled to follow. A few days earlier, she had been mesmerized by the words of Jesus the first time she had ever heard them. He had said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. To give up judging others and to embrace forgiveness. Was it really possible to lead such a life? Judgment had been all she had known for years. Forgiveness seemed impossible. How could she be forgiven after all that she had done? How could she ever expect to receive, as Jesus said, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over? But just as these thoughts had raced through her brain, Jesus had turned his head and gazed directly into her eyes and Normally, when she caught someone's eyes, she would have immediately looked down because whenever she did look into someone else's eyes, she only saw either the eyes of judgment or the eyes of desperate desire. And sometimes both of those emotions were there in the same pair of eyes. Yet when Jesus looked into her eyes, she was unable to break her gaze. In his eyes, she saw something that she hadn't seen in a very, very long time. She saw compassion looking back at her. So how could she look away? How could she look away after all she had been through in the last few years? A few years ago, her husband had died, leaving her alone with three small children to raise. And because of the patriarchal ways of her society, it was virtually impossible for a woman uh, to survive without an adult male relative. Her parents had died years ago, and she had only sisters, so there was no brother to turn to. And yet each of the husbands of her sisters had refused to take her in because he just could not see them being able to be responsible for yet another adult plus three other children. So when she heard that there was no one willing to take her in, she began to panic. How could she possibly go on? How could she feed herself 
much less her children. Begging? Well, begging might feed her, but it wasn't going to feed her children. There was really only one option, an option that filled her with fear and with dread. In such situations, her culture left her with the singular option of selling her body. Her body was, in fact, the only potential financial asset that she possessed. The very first few months she did this, she cried herself to sleep every night. But after a while, she developed a very tough skin and the ability to dissociate herself from the moment. Now, selling her body provided her the money she needed to take care of her family and herself. It, it even afforded a few lectures, but at a very steep cost. And despite the physical intimacy that she had with her customers, she was desperately lonely. Once a respectable married woman, now the town, now she was a town prostitute. And women who used to be her friends now shunned her. She was no longer welcome in the local synagogue, so as a result, she felt as if even God was shunning her. Her only hope was that when her son grew up, that he would able to be able to support her and the rest of the family so she could quit this horrible work before it drove her insane and perhaps irretrievably lost her soul to hell. Then she heard the words of Jesus, and a faint hope began to emerge within her that perhaps she, she could be forgiven. Even a woman that sold her money, her sold her body, this would be her opportunity to approach Jesus. She slipped into the Pharisee's house and quietly came toward the table. Now, in ancient times, diners did not sit in a chair at a table to eat. Instead, they reclined. They would be resting on their left elbow, and they would look... Uh, use their right hand to pick up food and feed themselves. And in this uh, position of reclining, then their feet would then be directed uh, away from the table. And so the woman approached Jesus's feet, but before she could even get to them, she began to weep. All the pain from all the wounds that she had suffered the last few years just began to flow out of her, and she could not even speak she dropped to his feet, her tears then spreading over his feet, and she was embarrassed by this, so she tried to dry the tears with the only thing she could think of, and that was her own hair. And then she began to anoint his feet with the ointment. Now, she knew the men at the table, many of them Pharisees, a few of them her customers, and they knew that they would not approve, she knew that they would not approve of her being there at the table, but she didn't care. The pain that she felt all these years was finally leaving her body and mind. And so while she applied the ointment to Jesus's feet, at the same time, she felt as if a salve was running into her soul and then healing her from the wounds that she had suffered all these years. Now, no doubt Jesus would be able to guess what the feelings and thoughts of the men at the table were. So, she, so he spoke. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, since she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then turning toward her, he said, 
Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the name of this woman has been lost to history, but her story of profound pain, of deep wounding, and of gracious healing, well, this story could belong to many. Now, for many centuries, the church claimed that this woman was Mary Magdalene, leading to the erroneous belief that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, but there is no historical evidence whatsoever that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, nor that she was the woman who is mentioned here in this story. Whoever this woman was, it's only her story of graciousness to Jesus by which we can remember her. Now, one of the things I find so captivating about this story is that last sentence that Jesus spoke to the woman. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the Greek word that is translated here as saved is a form of the Greek word sozo, which means to save. And sozo appears numerous times in the, throughout the Bible, and there's much theological ba- uh, debate about what it exactly means to be saved. But in Greek, sozo has several shades of meaning, and one of these shades of meanings of sozo I think is particularly relevant. Though sozo is usually translated to save, it can be translated to heal, as in to heal from a disease or from a sickness or injury. So one aspect of salvation then is healing. In a sermon I preached a few months ago, we talked about how the mystic Julian of Norwich thought of what theologians normally call original sin really should be thought of as original wounds. Woundedness then is just part of the human condition. And so salvation can be thought of as the healing of the wounds that we had carried. But healing is not only something that we receive, it is something that we are called to do. The gospel writers tell us that Jesus sent his own disciples out on uh, journeys to go out and to heal both the physical and the emotional pain of the wounds of the people. As he sent out his 12 disciples, uh, the book of Matthew says, Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. In fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus told his followers uh, the the, the following, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. We are called then to be wounded healers. The Wounded Healer is, in fact, the title of a classic 1972 book by the late great spiritual teacher Henry Nouwen, and it says on the cover of its latest edition, in our own woundedness, we can become a source of life for others. So Jesus has commissioned us to be healers, uh, to be ministers of healing. And I want to remind you that all Christians are called to be ministers. This is the vocation of every Christian, not just professional pastors. The sacrament of baptism does, in effect and in a sense, ordains us all for Christian ministry. And the writer of Ephesians assures us that Christ gives us all that we need for the gifts of ministry and will equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. 
But being a wounded healer is not without risk. Nowen says in his book, who can save a child from a burning house without taking the risk of being hurt by the flames? Who can listen to a story of loneliness and despair without taking the risk of experiencing similar pains in their own heart? In short, who can take away suffering without entering into it? It is an illusion to think that a person can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. Now, the Christian religion is filled with paradoxes, and among them is this paradox. The more you are wounded, the more of an opportunity you have to bring healing to others. And yet, being a healer will open you up to the possibility of being further wounded, and yet these further wounds will bring you further healing. We sometimes make reference to something being a vicious circle, but the wounded healer becomes part of a gracious circle as God's grace and salvation and healing are received from above. And then we, as human beings, we pass on this healing from one person to another. But if we are to become effective wounded healers and not just perpetrators of further woundedness, then we must be clear about this obvious. Of course, a man who has been unable to walk for 38 years is going to want to be made well. But the truth is, is that we often unconsciously sabotage our own healing because in some way we benefit from not being well. God has given us the gift of free will, and we're free to either accept or decline God's offer of salvation, and we are free to accept or decline the offer of healing that is offered to us by other human beings. Neither you nor I can save anyone, and even God will only save with that person's consent. But we can be agents of healing, at least for those who are open to what we have to offer. And to be able to offer something of value to others, to be an effective wounded healer, we must stay centered in our own relationship with God. We must remain aware of the movements of the Holy Spirit within us and to come to some sort of level of peace to accept that indeed woundedness is part and parcel of our existence and just part of our human condition. Now, according to Henry Nowen, in the end, wounded healers are not medical doctors. Our goal is not to end the pain, but instead to deepen the meaning of that pain so that it can be shared with others. When others come to us with their pain, they can know that their pain is felt and understood by us, not for the purposes of running away from it, not for the purposes of denying it, but so that it can be accepted as part of the human condition in which we all share. As wounded healers, we take away the illusion that life can ever be free from pain or fear or doubt or grief. In this life, we are neither immortal nor whole. Instead, we are very mortal and painfully broken. When we accept this basic fact, though, we are on our way to healing. When we share our pain with one another, we're offering, in a way, a type of hospitality. Now, hospitality is a very a, a deeply biblical concept. As Wesley read from the book of Hebrews, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing, uh, doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. 
hospitality is healing. After all, it shares hospitality shares the same etymology as the word hospital. In hospitality, we make room for others and for their pain, and so therefore, we make room for healing. Jesus praises the advantages of hospitality in his description of that unnamed woman from the story we read from Luke. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And because she offered hospitality, that woman then received healing. And so we come full circle. The more you are wounded, the more you have the opportunity to bring healing to others through your hospitality. Being a healer will open you up to the possibility of being further wounded, but these further wounds will then bring you further healing. As the prophet Isaiah reminds us, Christ was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made him made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. By Christ's wounds we are healed, and by our wounds others are healed, and by our hospitality we are healed, and by the hospitality we give, it is therefore the hospitality we receive. So let us then be part of that gracious cycle to be the wounded healer that brings healing to others. Amen. And so now with the confidence that we have as the children of God, let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So your action item for this week, look for those in this coming week who might need a touch of healing. And remember to be thankful, to raise your thanks to God and to let people know that you are thankful for them. You can always find a recording of our service on our website, tumcd.org, on our Facebook page, or through our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. And so come back next week and now receive this benediction. Receive the hospitality and the healing of Christ, and then be the face of Christ to everyone you meet. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Love your neighbor and go in peace. Amen. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's service. Join us next Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next week, we'll begin the season of Advent as we anticipate the birth of our Savior. If you can't join us live, you can always listen to the recording of our service You'll find that on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead, and we'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.